0: Live. Live from to New York. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Wait for the win. Got it! Oh, he broke his ankle. Follow me. Follow me Here's your host, Mike Phillips. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast. New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. NBA week on the podcast continues. We did an NBA preview earlier this week with Jake Fisher. We're going to talk more NBA today with Brian Kalbrowski of Hoops Hype for the Win USA Today Media Group. We're going to talk about the NBA, a little bit of a re- reflection here, some of the f- first couple of games, the Knicks, the Nets, and some other storylines to watch in the association this season. Let's we'll do our NFL pick. This week, I'm going to be joined by Alan Austin good friend of mine and we're gonna talk about his Giants another disastrous loss from them where is the bottom of the Giants I don't know we'll get to that in a bit let' stick to to the end of the show because he's two minute drill the second one of the week where I got some issues with the of like these Emily playoff games the drama's great they're too long I'll tell you why at the end of the show but get all started with our opening tip here we're gonna talk about week seven in the National Football League right after this. Two, one. Y'all ready for this?
1: The opening tip. And here we go.
0: All right, opening tip time. we we'll get to the NFL this week. The Jets were off last week. The Giants played. Or did they? We don't know because they looked ugly. they 38. 11 lost to the Rams. It was not even that close. The Giants, I mean, started out pretty well. They got a 3-0 lead, but the Rams just turned the switch on. Giants had no answer them. They're down 28-3 at the half. They're getting booed off the field. It's ugly as hell. Daniel Jones is throwing three interceptions. He's losing fumbles. They're back to turnover-prone Daniel Jones. And the Giants, again, the season's over for Halloween. The Cowboys won. They're 5-1. and one. The Giants are 1-5. They lost the Dallas head-to-head. they are a half games back in the division. And the schedule coming up here is still brutal. They got a game they can win this week. But it's a if the dicey game. is Carolina can play defense. You have Kansas City coming up. You have Tampa coming up. You have the Raiders. Not a lot of wins to be had here. It's not a good spot for the Giants. And we'll talk more about them with Allen in a bit. But not pretty. And then get into this Carolina game. This is one where the few spots here. Where I think they can win this game. Because Sam Darnold is back to being turmer prone Sam Darnold. He's six picks. He's done a bunch of fumbles. He pulled the game out of the fire for them last week. Getting to overtime, but they end up losing the Vikings. They've lost three straight since their 3-0 start. And the Giants, they're at home. This is a game you should win. The Panthers don't have Christian McCaffrey. They're not that good, but will I pick the Giants to win? Absolutely not. I'm staying the hell away from that game. Jets, meanwhile, come off the bye. They're coming to New England to take the Patriots on. This is an interesting test for Zach Wilson. His second time seeing New England. The first time was a disaster. We all talk about that game. The four picks. Him trying to basically play sloppy with the football. We'll see what he's learned in the second go-around with New England. What kind of stuff was going on here with him. The rest of the week, it's a very, very, very... I want to say boring slate. Because a lot of the heavy hitters in the league are on by this week. There's no Cowboys. No No Chargers. No Vikings, who are fun for fantasy purposes, They give you the hard attacks every week. A lot of teams are down, so that means that you have a lot less action here. And the games we have are not great. I mean, Thursday night, you have Broncos-Browns. That game is also injury play because the Browns have probably been down. Both their running backs, Baker Mayfield's playing hurt. The Broncos also are complete frauds. We've learned this. They've lost three straight games to beat the NFL's JV in... The Giants, Jacksonville, the Jets over the first three weeks. They have lost every game since, going a bad game to the Raiders on Sunday in Denver. Try on the short week. That game is going to be an ugly football game. I and mean, unless you have fantasy stakes in it, I don't see why you're watching it. The best games on Sunday are in the early slot. You have Bengals Ravens playing for first place in the AFC North. And Cincinnati made a statement last week going to Detroit in a game. The, Bengals, the Lions have been playing tough all year. And you figure a young team with some expectations on a brutal loss, have a big game ahead against Baltimore, figure track game. They went out and they smoked the Lions, which a good team should do. You have to start talking about Cincinnati as a playoff team, and the Ravens coming off a big demolition of the Chargers in Baltimore in week seven, week six. Now they have a spot here. They're defending their t- division lead here against Cincinnati, who they beat out twice last season. Be a big stand for the Bengals. They can go on the road and keep this close, if not win it outright. The other big game in the other window is the Chiefs-Titans match. The Titans had the big win on Monday night against the Bills. And you can question all you want about Buffalo not for it on fourth and inches from the three. I think they should have just kicked and gone to overtime because I don't think in any way Tennessee is stopping them in overtime. But here we are. It's a big game for Kansas City. Kansas City has been struggling most of the first half of the season. They were sloppy in the first half against Washington. Looks like at the break they flipped the switch and all of a sudden their defense is lights out. Mahomes making lights out plays. This is a game here that Kansas City has to win. And the division is tough. The Chargers are very good. They've already beaten the Chiefs head-to-head in our head. The Raiders are very good. Denver plays good defense. You can't these spotting team games here. This is a game that they should find a way to win. In Tennessee, if you can make a statement here by beating the Bills and the Chiefs back to back weeks, that would be huge for their chances down the road. The 425 window, the games kind of sucked there. The only game of semi-interest is the Bears and the Buccaneers. And remember, Tom Brady lost to Chicago last year. That was the game he forgot what down it was. He tried to tell you he didn't. I'm not saying a lot here. The Bears are big underdogs for a reason. I think it's going to be a blowout. The night game, Colts 49ers. Not great on paper. There is some intrigue here because both these teams are desperate for wins. The Colts picked up a big win over the Texans last week to get to 2-4. They can be the Niners here who have some injury issues of their own. They have to come off the bye. It'll be fascinating to see what Colts team shows up because the Colts can be very hit or miss. They had a spot where they were dominating the Ravens in Baltimore. I'm on that football, gave up the lead late, blew it. They've blown some games they shouldn't have lost. I think this is a very interesting, underlayer game. I think it's not great, but I think you can't go wrong watching it. Also, you have, my game this week is really bad. You have the inconsistent Saints who are good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. You don't know what version is showing up. And the Seahawks without Russell Wilson looked awful against Pittsburgh last week. The Steelers let not hang around that game. Smith could not move the football. You're a Jet fan, this is great because the Jets still get their first-round pick this year. You have the number one pick coming in that Jamal Adams trade. If the season were to end today, both of those picks are in the top 10. The Jets pick is at 6, Seattle's at 10. Even this pick ends up in the top 15-ish when Russell Wilson returns eventually, Geno's going to lose them a lot of games. And I think that will help you definitely get another piece in here. So, Jeff fans, you're in for New Orleans this game as well. That being said, not much happening this week. We'll get more of the Giants in a bit with Allen. But first, we'll talk some NBA on the podcast here with Brian Kabrowski right after this. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court, just like i on the microphone, so it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley, oop. I like the pick and roll, I like the give and go, cause it's basketball, but Mr.
2: Kirchhoff's is
0: All right, I am back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, continuing NBA week here. Join me today, he covers the NBA for Hoops Hype, Brian Kabrowski is here. Brian, how are you?
1: I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: I gotta say, it's been crazy, certainly we've had basically the span of three NBA seasons in just under a calendar year. It feels fair, sort of nice to have the calendar back on track in terms of the normal 82-game schedule.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's been overwhelming for, for everybody Trying to be able to do uh, all of these things at once, and I think uh, being able to have it kind of feel a bit more normal again, hopefully, will make uh, you know for people to have more pep in their step when they're on the court, and everybody else have a little more excitement watching the games too.
0: For sure, and obviously, we had a good opening night on Tuesday night here. The Nets went to Milwaukee. The Bucks basically dominated, showed why they were the champions again. Obviously, I'm New York based. So I'm on the Brooklyn side. Is what you take away from what the Nets did in the opener?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm based in Brooklyn as well. Um, you know, I think if, I think you can boil it down pretty pretty simply to uh, just you know continuity. Uh, I think realistically, for for the Nets, it's not easy to have to um, you know reintegrate everybody uh, when you know there's so much turnover uh, for this particular roster, and so. You know, I think that the Nets are a team that uh, should be able to get on track fairly easily, but it's just not going to necessarily happen right away. Um, And I think there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Uh, It's just kind of the reality of the situation. Uh, But they're they're not a team that I would be concerned about, you know, losing a team, losing a game to the defending champions. Um, You know, they haven't figured out quite what's going to happen with Kyrie yet. Obviously, you know, they know as of now he's not playing, but potentially – make him work out a trade for, to a team where he can be, you know, unvaccinated and maybe they can get some value back in return or perhaps he decides to get the shot. But, you know, the the story is still very much unwritten for, for Brooklyn at this point.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I feel like it's very easy to overreact after one game. You haven't seen him in so long, but I think the Kyrie thing, I think it is still a big deal because it changes how they plan. They have one less superstar. I think the road does get harder for them, but they still can win it all. What do you think about how Kyrie not being there affects the Nets.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you said it, you know, kind of on the nose there, where um, obviously it's going to have a big a big impact, but uh, I, I think that there are plenty of ways they can kind of shake out their lineup uh, to include guys who uh, potentially might make more sense as complementary pieces. Um, you know, obviously when uh, all three of those players, Kyrie, James, and Kevin are all on the court at the same time, they are the most unstoppable force ever, but you know, the truth of the matter is that uh, they'll be just as, um, just as impressive offensively in terms of compared to the rest of the league with just two of those guys and potentially, you know, more role players. I think, you know, Javon Carter is more of a defensive guy. Um, you know, uh, obviously Bruce Brown is somebody who stepped up in a big way last year. Um, and I think he can kind of add some versatility uh, to, to the team and kind of make an impact in that sense. Uh, in multiple ways and you know they can go big having somebody like Claxton on the defensive end is going to be really important because you know they've got some defensive holes so I think if they can include maybe two two big men somebody who's as impactful defensively as Claxton is and will continue to be um, you know this is still a team that I think should be considered one of the two favorites to win the east
0: yeah, I would agree with that. And go the other team in town here, the Knicks, and I'm more a Nick guy myself, and last night's game with the Celtics was a lot of fun. he get got the double overtime win for the Knicks, and I thought it was an interesting thing for me coming out of the game was seeing how Obi Toppin sort of took a big step up in his second year, at least in the first game, because they started using him in lineups with Julius Randle. He was flying down the floor. You think about what we saw from the Knicks last night?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Obi Toppin's development will be huge for them. This is a really deep Knicks team. Um, you know, they obviously had some grit. They loved playing together. Uh, they're a team that's going to get uh, a ton of minutes, you know, under their belt, obviously, for each player um, under Thibodeau. I think, you know, obviously Thibodeau doesn't really play younger players as often as he does the older guys. So, you know, last year with Obi's um, injuries and kind of uh, his lack of experience, it wasn't surprising he had made a huge impact yet. But, you know, realistically, the fact that, you know, we saw something from quickly was Fairly surprising last year. And um, that's especially when considering that it was Toppin who was selected way before him. So uh, I think when you kind of factor the fact in that Toppin's going to get better, you know, quickly might get better. Um, You know, obviously, Evan Fournier looked amazing yesterday uh, for his debut. I think that uh, across the board, you know, they just looked like a team that um, was going to fight. And obviously, they kind of had some struggles towards the end of the fourth quarter. But uh, ultimately, they should be in a position where they're gonna compete for the playoffs again and hopefully uh you know for the sake of Madison Square Garden and, you know, win at least a round or two.
0: Yeah, I mean the I think the Knicks are actually interesting because last year they definitely overachieved what they had and got the four seed and they got run out of the gym by Atlanta. I feel like they did well upgrade themselves. Nobody expect them to be NBA title contenders here, but do you think it's realistic for them to avoid the playing game, potentially win around here, get to the second round of the NBA playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think that's a realistic um sort of uh, expectation for, for this particular team. I mean, um, I'm not sure that I would say that they're title contenders at this point, um, but the idea of them winning uh, a, a series or two, uh, I think, is, is certainly reasonable. And I think that uh, even if it's not something that I necessarily um, have as uh, likely, you know, depending on how things shake up, you know, uh, every team's an injury away from being out of contention. Um, you know, obviously, Philadelphia has got a lot of stuff to figure out with Ben Simmons uh, just across the board. There there are so many factors in that, you know, they could be a last man standing type of situation. And, you know, even last year, no one expected the Suns to, to make it as far as they did. Um, and obviously, they, they they made it as far as they did. So uh, I, I would say that it's certainly a possibility um, that, you know, they could, they could sneak their way in there.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I want to go to Philly for a minute, too, because obviously them going down would help the Knicks out in this case, but the Ben Stead situation is definitely getting ugly there. We heard about the incident the other day when he refused to participate in defensive drill, and Doc Rivers sent him home. Like, How do you think this ends up playing out? Because I could see scenarios where they basically tell him to stay away until they figure out what trade situation Do you think there's any shot he plays with them before they deal him?
1: Uh, There's a shot. Uh, I mean, Daryl Moore is really stubborn, and I think that idea of wanting him um you know to win the trade is a huge aspect here and as of right now there's there's basically no way they win a trade uh for ben simmons because uh there's just so little to actually uh, get back from him right now in a way that will actually make the sixers better because they're a team that's still contending so i would say across the board um there's there's certainly a chance we see him play again uh, simply for the reason um, that you know Maury's is not down to, to lose a trade, um, and you know the, the, he's a he's a really talented player with a ton of um, ton of talent, and so I understand where they're coming from there. Uh, but you know, realistically, I would be really surprised if we ever saw him play again for Philadelphia. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up having a good career, um, you know, in general because. I think he, he is one of the more talented players in the NBA. And I think if he, um, you know, potentially gets a reset somewhere um, that could be enough to, to, you know, change things up.
0: Yeah. Where do you think would be a good spot for him to land? So sort it of revitalizes his career. Cause obviously Philly's not going to work out. I know the Lillard package, seems be a pie in the sky deal. Cause like right my Portland wants to try and hold on to him. Like where do you think the spot is that he ends up?
1: Uh, I think, uh, for, uh San Antonio never does trades during the season. So I'd be surprised if it were San Antonio. But that's a team that kind of makes sense to me uh, for him, you know, like in terms of just being able to get his head on straight, um, potentially work on his shooting with Chip England, um, and, you know, uh, still be able to kind of have the offense potentially run around him because they don't have a ton of other things going on for them in Philly. Um, But, you know, I I would be surprised – or sorry, San Antonio, but I'd be surprised if that does end up happening – uh, just for the fact of the matter that they're not, they're not likely to make a trade in the middle of the season like that. Um, but but that's a team that comes to mind for me um, as one to be willing to, to make a trade for him. Um, but I, there aren't that many destinations, you know, to to, to be honest. And um, you know, especially at this point, you know, the young teams aren't really necessarily going to want him because of the way his behavior has been recently. And I think you know the the old the older teams um that are that are kind of playing well as it is you know may, maybe don't want to make any changes to their core because they're doing fine as it is so um I, they, they might be in a situation where they they're pretty close to being out of luck
0: yeah that makes some sense and i want to stay in the east maybe because last year the east was weird because of the covid year we had sort of injuries and stuff we had a trio of teams, I think, that you are traditionally do very well. That were all kind of down last year in Boston, the Raptors, who had to play the whole year in in Tampa, and the Heat. So, of those three, which one do you think has the biggest bounce back here?
1: Um, I can see uh, Boston having a really good year, uh, just because I think you know we saw Jalen Brown explode yesterday, uh, and you know I I would I would not be surprised at all if we saw him um, have a potential All Star campaign. I think he's kind Of don't you know always been that way, and, and I think you know we're in a similar spot, um, with Tatum, but Tatum's even a, a level or two above that. Uh, Tatum, you know, I think is you know potential MVP type of player one day. Um, and if he you know hits that sooner than later, um, you know, they, they could do that, uh, you know, in terms of making a big run like very soon. Um, so I, I think that the Celtics are probably the team that I would that I would uh, peg. Um, obviously, you know, we'll see how everything goes without, uh, Brad Stevens with the new coach and everything. Um, but you know, they're still really young, you know, Tatum and Brown are, um, you know, both under 25 years old. I mean, Tatum's the same age as, you know, uh, Sacramento rookie Davion Mitchell, Jalen Brown's the same age as Chris Duarte. I mean, they're, they're still, uh, so, so fresh and so ready to kind of, um, make an impact that. Uh, it, there's plenty to kind of get excited
0: to about. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that came out of this COVID year that was interesting is that we had a couple of teams that had been sort of like on the fringes of contention, not really there yet, take big leads forward. saw so, uh, the Hawks get to the conference finals in the East. So the Jazz win the number one seed out West and then end up losing in the conference semifinals to the Clippers. So do you buy the leaf you saw from those two teams? Do you think that maybe one of them is a little overstated, may slip, slip back just a bit? Uh, no, I mean,
1: I could, see, I could see especially Atlanta taking another step forward, actually. I mean, um, I think Trey is only getting better, um, you know, in terms of just his impact. Uh, he, he's able to really affect the game in so many ways. You know, one of the better floaters in the NBA, obviously, um, you know, one of the better playmakers in the NBA, but his three-point shooting still hasn't been particularly efficient. So if that thing can fall, um, you know, not only will they have to guard him out there, but it's going in, too. Um, you know, like I could be a force to be reckoned with and they're really deep. I could see them potentially being a suitor in a trade market to consolidate some of their, you know, uh, kind of assets around the their edges to, to put together a situation to make, you know, maybe three of those guys turn into one really good guy. If, you know, somebody becomes disgruntled around the league. And, um, you know, I think that across the board, there are teams that I'm definitely monitoring uh, as a team that could potentially make a title run this year. You know, if, things go right for them and things don't go right for other teams, but at the same time, you know, it wouldn't be shocking if they don't. Um, because, you know, like I said, injuries obviously can play a big role for everybody and uh, across the board, you know, there, there's a situation with Atlanta where, you know, potentially Trey doesn't get necessarily better. Potentially John Collins played ball in a contract year, but um, you know, not necessarily in, you know, the, nobody's not that he's out of money. So, um, you know, I think that he, he Trey Trey is a really special young player, and I think he's going to continue to make an impact. Um, but uh, that's kind of a, a team that I'm following is uh, one with a lot of depth.
0: Yeah, it makes some sense. What do you think about Utah as well? Do you think the Jazz can sustain that kind of effort to be a top team in the West again? You think they might fall back to like a three-four kind of seed deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see them having home court in the, in the playoffs, but you know, I think the question with them is more about what they're going to do in the. Postseason, um, and I think that's kind of been the question with them for a while. And Donovan Mitchell is a obviously transcendent talent, and you know Rudy Gobert is clearly you know the best defensive player in basketball. And you know their three point shooting was uh, the best among the elite last year. Uh, so when it comes to that, you know they're able to really um, have a have an identity for an offense. So um, I would I would be I would be you know uh, pretty pretty comfortable with the idea of placing them. As a top four seed, I don't know if I'd call them the one seed again, um, but also like it could be a close race at the top. And you know, with the Clippers having injuries to Kawhi Leonard and Denver with the Jamal Murray, and the Lakers being sort of a potential of, you know, injuries kind of slowing their role because of their age and everything, uh, they should be uh, they should be a factor to potentially get the one seed as well.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about the Lakers, too, because the Lakers fascinating. That trade for Russell Westbrook seems to make no sense on paper, but then you look at the star power they have with him, AD, and LeBron there. The age is a question. The fit's a question. But if these guys pledge so their potential, they guys. obviously just steamroller, buddy, and win the, win the West and win the championship. What do you think about the Lakers this year?
1: Uh, the Lakers are definitely one of the most exciting teams to watch in basketball. Um, they are, are extraordinarily talented. They have, you know, one of the best players of all time, and then, you know, two of the better uh, players of the last several years on their roster as well, um, plus a ton of experience and guys who have been there before. Um, you know, I think that they're they're going to have to figure some things out with their perimeter game. Um, Buddy Heald obviously makes a little bit uh, more sense on paper, um, but, you know, that's basketball's not played on paper, as is the wise man once said, so they've got to figure out, you know, how to make it work. Uh, I'd be really curious to see if they could do Uh, second units where it's just sort of Russell Westbrook kind of destroying worlds against the other team's bench and that would kind of be to my opinion the smartest move is you know having like a LeBron AD lineup but then a Westbrook lineup um you know LeBron AD and some shooting and then Westbrook just kind of taking over the game and playing his own style rather than having Westbrook be a catch-and-shoot guy because that's not really Westbrook's game he doesn't really make sense as a catch-and-shoot guy so that's sort of what I, what I think of uh, what I would like to see the Lakers do. But, you know, we'll see how, uh, you know, Coach Vogel spreads out his minutes.
0: Yeah, for sure. And obviously the reigning Western champs, the Phoenix Suns, they brought pretty much everybody back. The one thing I'm curious about is if the DeAndre eight situation, the fact that the owner decided he wasn't worth the max contract prior to that deadline and eight was upset about it, we can disagree as to whether the owner was right or wrong on this one. But do you think that will impact the chemistry the Suns seem to have? Because if he's disgruntled, that could definitely create some issues, in my opinion.
1: You know, I think that they've got a they've got the right coach for the situation.
0: Um, You know, I think that people
1: tend to uh, really, really uh, enjoy you know playing for Monty Williams, Um, and I think that he's the kind of coach who's going to be able to keep everybody engaged, uh, even if um, you know the contract situation's not right, and you know DeAndre Ayton's going to need to get his money somehow, and you know he's going to have to do that by playing well. So he might still get his money in restricted free agency. It's not like he's you know, been told to go home or that he's never going to play for this team again, Um, you know, that I think a Max is still potentially on the table. Um, And I think with that in mind, you know, he's going to be – I think he's going to be just fine. I think Phoenix is going to be just fine. Um, And I think obviously people want to, you know, rush judgment about that decision. But, you know, Aiton, you know, before the end of last season, you know, wasn't really considered a Max guy. And I think they want to see if it was more of a flash of the pan or more of a sustainable thing.
0: Okay, my last question obviously out yeah, West is Golden State because right now we saw what they were last year without Klay Thompson. He's working his way back from the injuries and something might get him back maybe late December, maybe January. What kind of impact can he have on this team when he comes Because I feel like they're one where if he is even close to what he was, like they can automatically insert themselves into a dangerous playoff team out there. What do you think about the Warriors?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, probably like it's it's they're the Warriors, you know, when when they have um the the two players, Clay and Steph, both shooting, you know, they're, they're pretty close to unbeatable. So um, if he comes back playing healthy, uh, then they're going to be in the just fine position. Uh, I, I'm not sure if that's what we're going to see from Clay Thompson. Um, obviously, which what we would like to see from Clay Thompson, but, you know, that could go either way. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm definitely curious how Wiseman continues to develop and if they can get it out of Kaminga. Um, I would have been, you know, if I were in that situation, like, Potentially more inclined to pick guys who would have been more ready to contribute right away. Halliburton, potentially a safe pick. LaMelo, obviously, with that lineup, would have been insane. And then last year, you know, I I, well, I guess we'll see what Moody and Kaminga can contribute, but, you know, neither of those guys particularly felt like they were immediate impact guys. Um, so as Seth Sealing continues to, you know, reach closer to, you know, where his, um, apex could be you know as like a guy who's going to be you know getting older um i'm definitely monitoring that situation uh to see kind of what their young guys do as guys who can contribute now versus guys who are projects for later
0: all right there you have it brian kabrowski of Hoopsite. thanks a lot of time really appreciate it before i let you go i can you be on social media and keep up what you're doing over at hoop
1: yeah just uh, you know check out hoop they post my stuff and then uh, Brian Kabrowski, you know, uh, spelled the same way as you're seeing in this podcast B R Y A N K A L B R O S K Y.
0: All right, Brian, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. Show me the money. Oh, oh, no! let All right, show me the monies here. NFL picks for week number seven here on the podcast. Join me today. Somebody we have not talked to on the podcast since I can't believe it's been before the Olympics. That's how long it's been. Alan Austin is back. Alan,
2: how are you? Good to be back on the show, Mike. I'm very excited that you decided to have me again.
0: Yeah, I had to get my another giant fan on here. I have a few of them this year. But boy, after that game against the Rams, that was quite the stinker.
2: Yeah, thanks for bringing me on after that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, we decided before that
2: game that you were coming on, so that is true. That is true. No harm, no foul. We're good.
0: Yeah, and I have to say that game. I don't know what the hell's going on. I was a little more locked in because the Jets were off last week, so I see the Giants go up three nothing. Oh, okay, maybe they'll keep this close. Kadarius Tony gets hurt, and then after that, it just becomes a complete like shit show. So what happened here?
2: Uh, what happened is that the team is not. Good. Um, as unfortunate as it is to say, you're watching a team week in and week out that does not have the foundation pieces it needs. And defensively, you didn't think like any Giants fan would be silly to think that the production from last year would fully carry on, carry over to this year. And it just hasn't. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe we'd get a little bit more out of a Jackson to this point. Blake Martinez went down with an injury. Leonard Williams had his best game of the season against the Rams, and we still lost by 55,000 points. So there's a lot to worry about. I think, really, it's time for a complete teardown.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that teardown would have to include the head coach here, who made one of the most asinited decisions I've ever heard, where Joe, Daniel Jones, not a great game, coming off concussion, down 38-3, to three, he's playing the entire game in the fourth quarter. And then I'm sitting there watching this. I'm looking at this board seeing wait what's the score he's still in here I'm just sitting there going what the hell's going on out here so I see that I'm like okay I gotta go listen to Joe Judge after the game and see what he's is. I maybe mean, he has a good reason for it. and here's what Joe Judge had to say after the game courtesy of the Giants Talk Twitter feed it had the video version of this so, so what
1: was the thought process behind keeping Daniel in he's going keep you
0: for 60 minutes no concern
1: bang him off the line I'm up there in the situation
0: I watch how the game flows going right there. We're going to f- compete for sixty minutes. We're going to compete for sixty
2: minutes. Really? Is this nineteen seventy two, Alan? It was silly. It's a little tone deaf. It. It. He wants it to read, and I think he's earnest in this point that he's a gamer, that he's gritty, that you know, there's no quit, never say die. But you're an NFL head coach in New New York City. You have to realize the situation and how it's going to come off. It doesn't come off the way he wants of us competing. We as fans and the media don't look at it like what a valiant effort. We see it as a wild misuse of talent. Like here's a guy, like you said, coming off a concussion game, not playing well, not playing well at all. Like early turnovers, just looks lost, doesn't have a good receiving core. You're down a boatload. Already by the fourth, you've got to sit him just for his own preservation. Like, it, what are you competing for? Unless you have a, a life-changing, record-setting rally to come back against a team that was just stomping you in the dirt, you're not going to win. And what's supposed to read as admirable comes off as just like, I don't want to say stupid, it's too harsh a word, but clueless, maybe.
0: I would say arrogant to a degree, too. So, sort of like, don't Very don't, arrogant. Don't yeah. you dare question my thinking on this, basically, the way he came off.
2: And Joe Judge, like, last year I loved him. I think they overplayed last year. I really thought the roster wasn't great last year. The defense was good. But this year, with his whole tough guy routine and you know, working them like a high school or college coach would, that wears thin quick when the team's not playing well. And right now I couldn't be completely on the other side of where I felt last year when it comes to Joe judge, I think he's doing a, first of all, he's, he's like uh, regressing is the word I'm looking for in terms of everything he does on the field. I mean, you look back a couple of weeks ago, he threw a challenge flag just to complain to the refs. Like he's not, he's not coaching well right now. And I agree with you. Unfortunately, I don't think he will be one to get cut. I think if anything, this is Gettleman's last year. This is Jason Garrett's last year. I think judge and Patrick Graham return next year, but I'm with you. I I would just overhaul the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I had a friend who's afraid that judge is going to stay and Mara's going to let him pick the GM. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but it's certainly something us Giants fans are afraid of right now because we've seen now Dave Gettleman at the helm when he should have been fired two seasons ago, just continually going, continually looking like a buffoon at the draft. And some people say, oh, he had great draft picks. Uh, Aziz Ojalari, and Tony's looks good and he's a first rounder, but those don't overcompensate for the fact that one of his better picks, Darius Slayton, hasn't seen the field in almost like a year and a half, it seems. Andrew Thomas is a bust, and Daniel Jones is not the foundation quarterback you think you were going to get. And everyone and their mother and their brother and their mother's college roommate, to to quote Spaceballs, knew that Daniel Jones was not the right guy. So a lot of mistakes that just can't be rectified at this point. Judge has got to go. Gettleman's got to go. Garrett's got to go you need to restart this thing. And Maris should honestly hire like an independent counsel, like the, like the Mueller investigation to try and find who's going to be the (laughs) right guy to write the ship.
0: Yeah. I think also not to beat the dead horse again, but this all goes back with him to that pick of Saquon Barkley at number two, because Galvin thought he was going to wear a gold jacket and go to the hall of fame. And you never take a running back at two when you have as many holes the giants did it's haunting them for years.
2: I'm not going to lie to you, Mike. I was a fan of the pick because For far too many years, the Giants have never had that flashy running back, and I really, really wanted it. So I was happy at the time, and I'm glad he's a giant and all, but the team's not winning, and by the time you know he's healthy, it'll be time for him to sign with another team. So it would have all been for nothing.
0: Yeah, the other one I want to get your take on here is after the game, I don't have the audio of this, but Leonard Williams is talking to the media, and he was talking about how the boos are bothering him. He said, yes, I get why they're booing, but they're still bothering him. At that point, I mean, Leonard's played for the Jets – they're only good his rookie year. They were bad after that. He's played for the Giants, where apart from like a run the second half, they've been bad. Leonard, what do you expect is going to happen? You play in New York City. the team is stinking up a joint. Like, what do you think is going to happen?
2: I mean, we witnessed it with Javi Baez and the Mets earlier this year. It's just, you're not ever going to get sympathy from the New York crowd, especially when you address it to the media. Like, the New York crowd will appreciate you if the team stinks individually, if you're working hard. But you're just painting a target on your back to have them rag on you with the team individually, all in all, just just it's a bad thing to do in the media. You're not go like judge saying compete for 60 minutes. You're not going to get the reaction you think you are by saying it.
0: Yeah. And also in Javi Baez defense here. Yes, he was doing stupid, but he's also Tore the cover off the ball in September and made a bunch of plays and made the Met fans like actually like him again. And they point they want him to come back. We haven't seen Larry Williams go on this tear yet where he got paid but he has done pretty much nothing. He's got that contract.
2: No, and it's quite disappointing. I I am very disappointed with the Giants' defense. I mean. I was one of those like pie in the sky fans at the beginning of the year where if like a Rube Goldberg kind of set of circumstances happen, we can make the playoffs and maybe do something. But at one and five and looking as abysmal as we are, I say we f- pay attention to the best three quarterbacks coming out of the draft and hope we have a top five pick. So. The Bears, you know, and my dumb, naive mind was like, oh, the Bears pick will be well before ours this year. <laughs> now we're going to be well before the Bears pick. So thank goodness we have two first rounders. But I think the Giants are going to get a top five pick or else, you know, we could do what we did the Chase Young year and just uh, win when we shouldn't at the mm. end of the year, which I hope doesn't happen. So at this point, whether it's Rattler, whether it's somebody else, like, let's look for the next quarterback.
0: Yeah, and also you and I are on the same page here, is, and the Giant, a lot of Giant fans are. We know that this thing needs to get blown, it to the ground because since the boat trip Odell took back in 16 for the playoff game, they are the worst team in the league. In fact, out, they have the worst record in the NFL since that day, and they have a lot of issues here. Like the GM stinks. The head coach stinks. The roster is capped out. They have like almost nothing they can do next year to get themselves like any sort of viable cap room. They've whiffed on a lot of picks. My, the obvious the answer to me is obvious like instead of putting off the devil burn the thing to the ground start over new coach new gm new quarterback and just go from there but do you think john mara will actually do it do you think he goes all the way through or you think he does the what your friend is fearing here and says okay Gettleman is gone but i like joe judge joe judge can stay he'll help pick next gm
2: here's what i think i think Gettleman's gonna retire at the end of the year I think he's going to hang it. He's going to quit before he's fired, so to speak. I think him and Mara will come to that conclusion. Like why don't you go out respectfully and retire? I don't think he's going to be canned, so to speak. I do think judge will stick around only because Mara is not going to want to pay him to not do anything for three years. So I think, I think judge will get to stay. I don't think judge will get a, a say in who the GM is. I think judge gets a one year prove it extension. Uh, unfortunately but i do think jason garrett's gone i think graham and you know judge stick around and you forget how many ex-head coaches are on this staff like freddie kitchens and like so many people that should just be gone so i think that my honest opinion is Gettleman retires and judge gets another year yeah to me that and i do think i do think if judge stays a new GM will be the excuse to get rid of Jones, and Judge won't have to make that decision himself.
0: Because to me, that's a mistake. Because the Jets tried this once where they fired Tannenbaum that kept Rex (laughs) Ryan. It just led to two years of dysfunction with Idzik and Rex, and they both end up going, and two years later, and we wasted a lot of time here. I think you're going to do this, you rip the whole Band-Aid off. You don't get to try and be cute and say, oh, Joe Judge isn't the problem. I think you need to let this new GM come in, pick his own coach, let the coach pick his quarterback, I do the clean reset as opposed to his half bandaid measure. That's never going to work.
2: I completely agree. I completely agree. And look like some organization, like if the quality of roster is good, like it really takes a really bad coach to mess it up. Yeah. And like, I look at all these teams around the league that have a good coach and they're suddenly so much better. I guess what I'm trying to say is our roster right now can't compensate for the lack of coaching where some others might get away with it. Like Dallas, yep. you ask any Dallas fan, they can't stand Mike McCarthy already. He's only been there for a year and a couple games, but they're talented rosters enough to overcompensate his bad coaching. We don't have that in, in New York. And on the flip side, I think with your jets, I think Sala, you know, is definitely showing how green he is as an NFL head coach, but I think that foundation is probably better than anything judge will ever put forward again in the future.
0: Yeah, and sadly, the crazy thing is we talked about twelve minutes about how bad the Giants are. but They have a football game. I think they actually can win against Carolina, which has completely gone in the tank since its three and zero start. Sam Darnold's back to turning the ball over all the time. I think honestly, this is a game I'm not going to pick it this week because I don't trust either team involved here. But I would not be shocked if Giants finally win win on Sunday.
2: I mean, Sam Darnold's coming back to MetLife Stadium, right? Yeah, like it's it's going to be shell shock. However. I don't see the giants winning this game. It's just, it's too much to ask for them to win a game right now. It really is. So as a giants fan, I'm going to set my expectations low and be mildly impressed if they win because it's against a bad Panthers team, but it's also in a point where like, I want to see the teardown happen. So if they're going to win, I want to see them go, you know, however many games in the season now, like, what would they go 13 and five if they won out? Like if yeah. they're going to win this week, they better win every week. Yeah. That's that's all I got to say.
0: Yeah. You don't want those teaser wins where you you think like, Oh, maybe something will be positive here. And then the end up year five and 12.
2: Right. Like mm-hmm. our schedule is not easy in the coming weeks. This is our only like bright spot. So like a win would be great. But if we lose, then we just continue going for that number one pick. Yeah. And I'm not for tanking. I love competitiveness, but you got to see the forest for the trees.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we will leave that game there. And I think we will get to the picks now. A good buddy, Joe Chaffee was here last week on the picks. He went two and one on the week. He had the Packers laying the four and a half against the Bears. They won that game. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. He had the Cowboys laying the four. He was sweating bulls with that one. They ended up winning in overtime. Had the Steelers laying the four and a half. They only won by three in OT. So two and one for Joe.
2: Okay, that's good. That's good. This was a tough week, week seven.
0: Yeah, least seven's a, lot. From. a lot of crazy lines. I, I A lot I, of crazy lines. Yeah, I went 2-1 last week as well. I had the Raiders plus 3.5 in Denver against the Broncos. They bet on the freeing of Gruden exorcism coming out game. They dominated the Broncos. I had the Chiefs laying the 7. I was nervous about that one for a while. They came back and dominated the second half against Washington. I lost with the Browns laying 3, but again, that whole team just sort of got died on me before after I made the pick. So I'm taking a ball again on that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm, uh, I'm ready for this week.
0: Yeah. So, on the year, Teen Challengers now is 6 11 and 1. So, a little bit of a slow start for them. They'll always pick the pace up here. I got back to 500 finally. I'm 9 9 on the year. So, good move. So, making moves the right direction.
2: All righty. All righty.
0: All right. Let's get to the picks here. Alan, you are up first as the guest. So, where are you going here with pick number one?
2: I'm going to take your team, Mike. I'm going to take the Jets plus seven against New England. I honestly think like new england is a team that is good not great and i think this is a good trap game for them coming off that barn burner with the cowboys uh i think they're going to be a little tired i think there's going to be a little bit of uh, a chance for the jets to at least come within seven points so i'm going to take the jets plus seven and i think the jets have a bit of a chip on their shoulder following that london game so
0: yeah, I like, I like the pick there. I wouldn't do it because I don't trust my team, but I can see the rationale there because this is, you know, extra week to repair. They got off- Davis I heard today said he claimed they figured out some things on offense. We'll see if they actually start the game if, if before the second half starts, but yeah. seven's a big number for doing I feel like they are getting overhyped a bit, especially Mac Jones. The hype he gets is unreal for the amount of plays he makes. Like He takes a couple of deep shots. He's also checked down Charlie.
2: Yeah, he's... um. He's exactly what the Patriots want and need though. Yeah. So he fits the bill of their quarterback and every Patriot fan I know adores him now. So
0: Yeah, we'll cool. see. But I, I do
2: I, I don't know if the Jets will win, but I think they'll make it more competitive than you'd imagine.
0: Yeah, that's true. Where are you going for pick number two?
2: Pick number two, I am going with the Indianapolis Colts plus four against the 49ers. I think that's probably my safest pick of the week. The 49ers, I don't think they've found their identity yet. I know they've been dealing with some injuries. Trey Lance had to start last week. And then the Colts, who are somewhat of a disaster, but I think their defense is enough to keep that offense in check, especially Kittles out. So, you know, it's a lesser 49er team, and I think the Colts can do enough to probably win this game. Yeah, I love that pick for all
0: the reasons you stated, and I think it's a good choice there, Alan. Where are you going with pick number three?
2: Pick number three for me is going to be, and this is this was a tough one. Like, I'm going the Falcons. Uh, Falcons minus two and a half. Uh, I like I liked their game against the Jets, and I think the Dolphins are a comparable team. I think the Falcons are going to be confident heading down to Miami. I think they have some offensive weapons the Dolphins can't stop, and although the Falcons have Swiss cheese for defense, I think that they will have enough firepower to score more points than the Dolphins, and at least three more points.
0: Alright, so you're on the board now for your three picks. I'm up now pick number one. I should go heads up with you on that pick. I'm taking the Dolphins, getting the points at home here, two and a half, and I watched Atlanta play a couple times now against your team, against my team. They are not good, and they're Going on the road as favorites makes no sense to me in that game. And I'm looking at it here. I'm saying, you know, this is sort of a circle of the wagons mowing for the Dolphins, you know, where you have the rumors swirling now about the Shaw Watson trades. You have the one in five star. People are questioning Brian Flores. I think you get a big effort out of the Dolphins here. I think they come through here, pick up a home win. So I'm going to go heads up with you on that pick, pick number one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's pick number one. And pick number two. We're actually going to make this a family play on the Colts. We're going to go, I'm going to go with you there with the plus four because all the reasons you said, I think that's a fantastic pick. Plus, another thing to note here, the Colts are notorious slow starters under Frank Reich. They always get off the slow starts. They've won two out of three. The third game, they had a huge lead against the Ravens on Monday night. Found a way to lose that game. I think they're clicking. I think the Niners are very banged up. A lot of injuries, like you said. Colts plus four. Make that a family play.
2: OK, and by the way, for the Niners, like that was a team that I thought was going to finish second in that division. But I think with how competitive it is, especially now with the Seahawks losing Russell Wilson, them being banked up, it's a two horse race with the, the Rams and the Cardinals. I just think they're so much better right now. And it's just those early season games that are all the difference. Yeah,
0: Yes, yeah, true. pick number two pick number three. I'm going all underdogs this week. I'm taking the Bears gain 12 and a half points against Tampa Bay. And I think this is one where I think the numbers too big. I know chicago has trouble scoring i know justin fields has had his issues moving the ball but tampa's secondary is awful i mean richard sherman has not has been playing hurt he looks and look great coming back they down so many corners this is a game where i feel like this backdoor cover is in play here because chicago is going to be down they're going to be chucking late they have to be within two touchdowns I think they can do that 12 and a half is a magical number i think they lose by 10 i'm going to cover the number that way so i'll take the bears and all those points pick
2: three interesting i'm just so afraid to bet against the buccaneers in theory you know what i mean yeah. like they're so good they're they're the best team in the nfc and the bears their offense is struggling i i stayed away from this like the grinch nine yeah. foot pole yeah. wouldn't go near it
0: yeah i mean i try this once i almost had it with atlanta in week two but i, I got worried because matt ryan through two pick six is the same guy so i'm hoping that they get my karma bouncing
2: back in that one Gotcha, gotcha. It should be an interesting week in the NFL for sure. A lot of parody this week.
0: Yeah, for sure. And to reset the picks of the week, Alice taking my Jets plus seven in New England against the Patriots. He's taking the Colts plus four in in, the, in San Francisco against the Niners on Sunday Night Football. He's taking the Falcons plus, I mean, minus two and a half in Atlanta. I went heads up with him on that Falcon pick. I took the Dolphins, getting the two and a half. You got a family play on the Colts plus four in San Francisco on Sunday night. I'm taking all those points with the bears plus 12 and a half. And those are your picks for week number seven on the podcast. Next week, I'm bringing in a good friend of mine. Somebody who's not been on the podcast in a long time. My buddy, Anthony Cowley talking New York jet football next week. So we're going to break down that performance. Zach Wilson has in new England against Mac Jones. See how that goes.
2: I, I got to be honest with you, Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones. I'm, I'm rooting for you, Mike. I'm rooting for the jets to take this one out of our friendship. And because you were so kind to have me back on the show. Also, who roots the Patriots, aside from John Stanko? <laughs> Patriot fans.
0: Yeah, I mean, aside from the Patriot fans, anybody else in this country rooting for them?
2: Well, if you're not a... Are you saying, like, is it are the Patriots anybody's second favorite team? Is that yeah. kind of what you're asking? Yeah. I'll put it this way. Being that I'm a Giants fan, and we had such a successful run against the Patriots, I don't hate them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, you also are the only reason Tom Brady ha- like, has, like, two Super Bowl losses. Yeah, baby. Yeah. And one more piece of business here. I'm going to give the, the weekly knockout pick on the podcast. I am into week seven on the knockout pool. So I'm doing good so far. I had the Rams oh, nice. le- at the Rams last week over your team. That was a very easy call. That one, I had no sweat. Okay. Yes. Who you got this week? This week, we're going to make another easy week. We're taking the Arizona Cardinals at home over the Houston Texans.
2: Sometimes these survivor pools, they... they- you overthink them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes you just gotta take the obvious game and move on because other people are gonna run themselves out. Yeah. That's the thing I've learned over the years is like if you cannot
0: be cute, don't be cute. Like try and just get there because I heard the arguments always like, oh, what do you do about like you meet Arizona week fourteen? Like, can I get to week fourteen before I have to worry about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. Because there's plenty of good teams in the sea so far on the year. I've used San Francisco. I use Cleveland, Carolina uh I forget who, week four was an easy one i had buffalo in there a uh, uh, buffalo then the rams and now I. So have, you're in good shape you're in good shape i've done a nice spread of teams i have good teams available to me i haven't used the chargers yeah i haven't used the chiefs i haven't used the packers i have options available you're gonna do great yeah i feel confident in this pick i should get to week eight i should get to halloween absolutely yeah alan and thanks for all the time i really appreciate it. For all you. Have people follow social media keep up with some of your
2: other podcasts Sure. So I have two podcasts going right now. I have American Scene with my co-host, Ben Rosen, where we talk about films with American in the title and what they say about our American culture, values, and so on. And I have Chart Choppers, which is a top 10 show where I just get like a random list and give you my top in those categories. We've done sports. We recently did all the NFL divisions, top 10 players from each. And we've done other stuff like top five sandwiches or top 10 Athletes from Movies. That was our first episode. And you can follow them, you know, wherever you get your podcasts American Scene, S C E N E, and Chart Choppers. And on Twitter, I'm Alan, A L L E N underscore Austin underscore. And on Instagram, Alan Austin Sports.
0: Yeah. So I gave you a chance to go all those plugs. And I'm also yeah. a plug for the audience here is that last year we had a lot of fun. We did the Halloween Pop Culture Party podcast. Is returning this year. Piling Pop Culture Party 2 is back, and Alan is here back on the show where you're talking about Midnight Mass next week. Oh, I can't wait, Mike. I cannot wait. Yeah, I have to ask, you have a long monologue prepared for this?
2: I do not have a long monologue prepared, but I'm ready to go on endlessly about how much I loved it. Yeah, you can. we can monologue about how great Mike Flanagan is next week. Oh, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. All right, Alan, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. <laughs>
0: The 2-Minute Drill. Alright, 2-Minute Drill time here. Talking the MLB playoffs. And it's been a certainly dramatic postseason so far. We've got the Red Sox and the Astros and the ALCS. Braves and the Dodgers in the NLCS. Some great games. Tremendous theater. Got drama every pitch. High stakes. There is one big issue though. The games take way, way, way too long. I'm more tolerant of a longer game in the postseason, but even still, these games take forever. It almost feels like every game goes at least four hours, which is problematic considering that these games start about 8 o'clock Eastern most of the time. MLB cannot be happy that on Friday night in game one of the ALCS, Red Sox-Astros, 9.30 Eastern time, about nine minutes at the first pitch, we are in the third inning. That's an issue. You are losing... A lot of interest from potentially future fans who do not have the patience to sit there for three and a half hours and be watching a baseball game that goes on and on and on without much happening. It, by the way, it's not like you're seeing crisp action, lots of hits, lots of errors, lots of plays happening. a lot of just walks, strikeouts, homers, walks, strikeouts, homers. You're not getting a lot of good stuff here. And I want to throw a point out that Peter King put in his Football morning America column this this week. Peter King is a football guy. He was a big baseball fan as well. This is the time of the first two regulation ALCS games. A decade ago, 2011. 307, 308. Three hours, seven minutes. Three hours, eight minutes. 2021. Four hours and seven minutes for game one. That game I referenced. Four hours and eight minutes for game two. That's not a misprint. And he notes, you could sit down and watch the movie Star Wars, the movie Frozen, and the Marine Biologist episode of Seinfeld in two minutes less time than the first game of this year's ALCS. Star Wars is two hours and one minute. Frozen, one minute 42 seconds. Marine Biologist is 22 minutes. Total runtime of four hours and five minutes. Think about that for a minute. You can watch two movies and episode of Seinfeld in the amount of time it took for the Red Sox and the Astros to play game one. That's a major issue. You can do two things here, I think. The short-term fix is move the game time up to seven. You're basically admitting that the games are too long, but the game will end by 11 o'clock Eastern time, and the kids have a better chance of getting to the end here. The big issue here remains the pace of play. I think it's just too slow to sustain long-term interest in baseball. And baseball's aware of this; they're trying things, but right now they need to find a way to break this three true outcome thing, because that's really killing the game. It's not a postseason only problem either, by the way. I remember September when the Mets were stinking it up and they were losing a bunch of games. They were played about 10 games in a row or at least three and a half hours that were boring and bad. There are a lot of suckers out there who keep watching, including myself, who are baseball fans because we grew up with the game. He's not excited he can be, but a lot of the young people do not have that loyalty to the game of baseball. They're not going to look at it and say, this is amazing. This is tremendous theater. This will be a lot of fun. They're going to look at it and say, why am I watching four hours of nothing happening? I'm going to go watch a movie. I'm going to go watch a Twitch stream. I'm going to go play a video game. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. I'm not going to watch baseball. Baseball needs to figure this out because this will be the most exciting time of the year and the games are getting too long. You're going to lose a lot of the casual fans who could keep this game going long term. With that, I want to thank today's guests for coming on the show and the show this week. I want to thank Brian Kabrowski for coming on and talking NBA. I also thank Alan Austin for Doing the week 7 NFL picks. If you up stuff like this podcast. including my look at what the Mets are going to do. For the presidential baseball operations post. Their top three candidates are off the board. What could they do next? Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com You'll subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tune in Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Play. All the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering. or favorite podcast platform. You can find all episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well. They help with the podcast even better going forward. You check out my YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. You can check out the individual conversations there, the video chats with Brian Allen up on the YouTube channel. You can also follow me on Twitter at M Phillips331. That's M P H I L I P S 331. That will do it for this week in the podcast. Coming next we got a couple of good episodes coming here. We're going to do a World Series preview and do some NFL picks, a little bit of Halloween pop culture, calling up two. Until I hope you have a better week than Bills fans.